0: Well, today's part two of our series called The Soundtrack of Christmas. Last week as we began the series, I shared with you the oldest Christmas song that we still sing to this day, which is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Today I want to talk to you about what by one metric is the most popular Christmas song of all time, which is O Come, All You Faithful. You're going, wait a second, O Come, All You Faithful is like the most popular Christmas song of all time? Well, let me explain that to you. Three different times, Oh Come All You Faithful, has charted in the top 10 of the U.S. billboard charts. Isn't that amazing? You would think that it'd be like a lot of other popular Christmas songs, but it's Oh Come All You Faithful, three different times in the top 10. Now, sure, things like White Christmas and songs about Santa, some of those have done it, but I'm talking about songs that are specifically about Jesus. Oh Come All You Faithful has been the one that's been the most popular when it comes to being on the radio. I thought that was pretty cool. Another thing that I found fascinating was even though this song, O Come All You Faithful, is now almost 300 years old, it wasn't until just after World War II that we actually discovered who it was that actually wrote it. It was a guy by the name of John Wade. If you go all the way back to 1745, the Church of England and the Roman Catholic Church, and listen to me, they were literally at war with one another. Literally at war with one another. And so John Wade, who was a priest there in England, he had to flee for his life to France. And while he was there, he was assigned by the church a very important task. You see, what was happening back in England was all the church records and all the church music was being destroyed by the Roman Catholic Church. And so his job, he was a musician himself, was to sort of remember what all these songs were and write them down and, and to try to send people from England to, to bring him some of the music that were in some of the archives. And his job basically was just to make sure that all these songs didn't get forgotten. Now, as I said, he was a musician himself. And so he just got inspired as he was researching all this music and writing all this music down to start writing some songs of his own. And so it was in 1750 that he sat down and he started a brand new song that began with these lyrics, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. That's how we got the song, O come all ye faithful. Today I want to concentrate on just those eight words there at the beginning of the song, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Now some of you are going, you know, this time of year, I don't always feel so faithful and joyful and triumphant. I mean, maybe doubts and depressed and down maybe but you know joyful and faithful i mean i know i should be faithful but honestly sometimes you know i've got some some questions about my faith i sometimes question the direction that god would have for me to go i have some theological questions that i don't know how to answer and they sort of bother me and so my, my faith sometimes has these these doubts some of you are going uh, I don't feel very triumphant this time of year. I mean, look at my finances. Look at my, my marriage. Look at where my career is at right now. Look at where our country's at right now. It doesn't feel very triumphant. And some of you are going, joy? Oh, man, I, I don't have joy this time of year. I'm stressed out. Burnout. For some of you, this time of year, you've lost your joy because of the commercialization of Christmas. For some of you, it's the expectations of Christmas that's caused you to lose your joy because you're like, I've got to have the perfect cookies, the perfect decorations, I've got to buy the perfect gifts, I've got to throw the perfect parties. Man, all the joy has just been sucked right out of me. Well, if that's true of you here today, part of the good news of what Christmas is all about and why Jesus came to the earth was to help you with those feelings. Take a look at Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Here's what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are what? All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you I'll give you rest. So if you're feeling weary, if you're feeling burdened, Jesus says, "Come to me." come, come to me. I'll help you with that you're feeling lost in your sins, Jesus says the same thing. Come to me. I can help you with your sin. Here's what Jesus had to say about sin in Matthew uh, 9, 12 to 13. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but who? Who needs the doctor? The sick. He says, for I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And so, you know, John Wade, he could have just as easily have Written a song and it started out this way: "O come, all ye sinners, weary and heavy burdened." But yet he didn't write those lyrics because John Wade realized that Jesus doesn't leave us in our weariness. He doesn't leave us burdened. He doesn't leave us in our sin. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians five seventeen: "Anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? Has become what? A new person." The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Church, that's good news. That no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you're feeling right now in this Christmas season, Jesus came to give you a brand new life, a fresh start. You're going, man, that sounds good. I I would love that. How how would that look? What would I have to do? Well, let's actually go back and look again at these words from this song. The most popular Christmas song on the billboard charts ever, Oh Come All You Faithful. And let's learn a couple lessons from it. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is this, that Jesus will help me to become more faithful. Jesus will help me to become more faithful. You know, when it comes to faith, many people think that, okay, faith is something I've got to sort of muster up myself, something I've got to do, something I've got to bring on. Look at what the author of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So where do we fix our eyes? We fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he is the one that's going to author our faith into our lives. He's the one that's going to perfect faith into our lives. How does that happen? Well, look at Romans 10, 17. Paul says, so faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. So again, faith isn't about you mustering up faith. Faith is about you fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And so what we really need to do here is what I talked about a couple weeks ago as we were wrapping up the uh, Surprise the World series. I said, you know what? In addition to your devotional time, where you're like all through the Bible in your devotional time, In addition to that, make it a habit of your life to take at least 20 minutes per week where you're just sitting and reading nothing but the Gospels, the stories about Jesus. Because the more you get to know Jesus, the more you're going to become like Jesus. And the more you're becoming like Jesus, the more your faith now is going to be built up. Come, all ye faithful. That's point number one. Jesus is going to help me to become more faithful. Number two, Jesus helps me to be joyful. He's going to help you become joyful. Joy is actually one of the attributes of the fruit of the spirit. Look at Galatians 5:22 to23. the Apostle Paul writes, "The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control." Now I've talked to you about this before. It is the fruit of the spirit, not the fruits of the spirit. Yes, there's nine attributes there. But that is one fruit that will grow because of your relationship with Jesus. So these aren't nine things that you work on to become better at. This is who you become as a result of being a follower of Jesus. It's natural fruit. Let me explain it to you a little bit more. I'm going to ask you actually a couple questions. And those of you that are watching online, we want to welcome you. Play along with us here. These three questions I'm going to ask you aren't trick questions. So just answer them the way they sound, okay? So here's the first question. What type of fruit does an apple tree produce? Very good, you're paying attention. (laughs) That that was the easy one. Second question, think about this. Why does an apple tree produce apples? Because it's, very good, you guys are doing good. Because it's an apple tree. That's why it produces apples. Here's the third question. Does an apple tree ever have to stop and think What type of fruit should I produce? Or does it ever strain to go, oh, I should really work hard to produce apples? No. Why? Because an apple tree is designed to create apples. Remember the scripture I just shared with you that the Apostle Paul said that the old life that you had is gone and a new life has come? Guess what the sign is that that new life has come in your life? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the natural fruit. Why do you have those attributes in your life? Not because you're straining to do it, but because that's who you were created to be. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. That's a work of the Spirit in your life. Now, I know some of you are going, all right, Gilbert, I think I'm a follower. But when it comes to this joy thing here, I mean, sometimes I don't feel all that joyful. Does that mean I'm not really a follower of Jesus? Well, let me explain it this way. There's a huge difference between joy and happiness. Happiness has to do with what's happening in your life. Happiness has to do with the circumstances of your life. Joy comes from Jesus. Joy comes from within. Let me let me share with you something that's happened in the last uh, week or so. I, I shared with you actually last week in the announcement time that our HVAC system here at the church on uh, Wednesday of last week, it just fell apart basically. And so the repair guys had come out on Thursday and they said, look, the uh the actual new part won't be in until next week, so you're going to be without heat out in your cafe and in your children's area on Sunday. I wasn't happy about that. And so I said to, to Lisa, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take some of the heaters that we have at home, and Saturday, I'll come over to the church building, I'll plug them in. That way, we can take the chill off out in the cafe area in the kids' wing. That way, you know, when people come in, I love you guys, I didn't want you freezing. So that way, you know, when people come in, they're a little bit more comfortable. I forgot to do it, though, until Saturday night last week at 10.30 at night. I'm like, oh, no, I forgot to go over and plug this in. So I was like, Lisa, I'm getting in the car. I'm driving over. I'm plugging those things in. So I drive over. I plug them in, you know, get things going. Driving back home. It's now about 11 o'clock. I'm pulling into my neighborhood. And a deer, boom, broadsides me right in the side of the car. And I look up in the rearview mirror. He pops up. You know, he stays and sort of hops off. And I was like, OK, it's probably not all that big of a deal get home, pull in the garage, look, yep, there's a dent in the side of the car. I was like, that's it's not not too bad. Until the next morning, Sunday morning last week, when I went to let Lisa in the car door on the passenger side, and the door wouldn't open. $1,300 worth of repairs. Not happy about that. However... The HVAC system breaking down, that's costing the church a lot of money. Deer hit my car, that's costing me personally a lot of money. Not happy, but I didn't allow it to steal my joy. Because again, happiness has to do with what's happening in your life. Joy comes from within. Joy is something that Jesus gives you. The Spirit gives you. And so no matter what's happening in your life, No matter what's happening in the world, don't allow things to steal your joy. Joy comes from the knowledge that I have a relationship with Jesus and Jesus chooses to have a relationship with me as well. Luke chapter 2, when the angel comes to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus, we read this, Luke 2, 10-11. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause what? That will cause... Great joy for how many people? All the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus is the cause and the source for all joy, for all people who put their faith in him. And so my prayer for you this Christmas season is that you would lean into that. Yes, there may be some things that are happening in your life right now, some circumstances in your life, you're just not happy about it but don't allow that to steal your joy. Come, all ye faithful, joyful, and number three, Jesus helps me to feel triumphant. You know, the truth is, oftentimes in life we feel defeated, which is why it's so important that you know that Jesus has your back. Jesus has your back. Now, let me illustrate it for you this way. This past September, just uh, what two months ago, my friend Vince and I, we decided to go out to a a Philadelphia Phillies game because he's a huge Phillies fan. and I'm a huge Orioles fan, and the Orioles were actually going to be in Philadelphia to play. And so we go out, and of course, he's all decked out. He's got his Phillies cap on. He's got his Philly jersey on and stuff, and I'm dumb. I'm there with my Orioles hat, my Orioles shirt, you know, and everything. And the reason I say I'm dumb is if you know anything about Philly fans, which some of you are Philly fans, you aren't exactly known for being the nicest people. Philly fans are the ones that booed Santa Claus one year. I mean, that's how bad Philly fans are. Philly fans are known for getting like in the fist fights with people that are in their stadiums that are wearing different jerseys. So that's why I am saying I'm not the smartest cookie, right? And I'm there in my Orioles stuff. So we're, we're walking through the stadium. I sort of got my head on a swivel, right? I'm just sort of... <laughs> <laughs> keeping an eye out for everything. And we get into our section that we're sitting, and I look around, and there is no other Oriole fans anywhere. Now, we had great seats. They're going to put a picture on the screen for you right now. You're going to get to see. That was the view that we had of the field there. You know, So it was, it was pretty good. I'm intending to just stay quiet the whole game because there, there's just nothing but Philly fans all around me. So I'm just gonna sit there and silently root on my O's. Now, what you can't see in the picture, though, is the view that we had immediately right to our backs. They're gonna put it on the screen for you right now. What you're seeing there is the Orioles' bullpen. This is where the 12 relief pitchers for the Orioles, they warm up during the game if they need to come into the game. And they sit there most of the game just, you know, waiting to see, is the coach gonna call me in to the game? This was literally right behind me mean, I turn around and boom, there it is. I'm able to see the Orioles bullpen. Now, I said that the relief pitchers sit there and watch the game, but the Orioles pitchers didn't just sit there. You know what they did? Every time the Orioles did something good that game, which actually in that game, they actually did a lot of good things. They ended up winning the game. The 12 guys there on the bench, they would pop up. They're standing, they're clapping, they're cheering. You know what happened? That gave me confidence because they were there at my back that I could, I didn't stand up and cheer, but I was at least like (laughs) clapping and and cheering and stuff. The more they did it, the more confidence that gave me. Now, the truth of the matter is, if some Philly fan popped me in the face and got in a fight with me, those 12 guys in the bullpen weren't going to come and save me. (laughs) I know that. But they did give me confidence. But here's my point. Jesus is the same way, except Jesus, if something does happen to you, Jesus will come and save you. He will come and protect you. But the more you realize that Jesus is at my back, the more confidence it's going to give for you to live a triumphant life, a life of victory here on this planet. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, we read this For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. That sounds pretty triumphant, doesn't it? I know this time of year we tend to only think of Jesus as, you know, the little infant baby, you know, lying there in a in a manger. I know we tend to think of Jesus as this little fragile porcelain piece that's in our manger scenes that we set out. And we gotta be careful. Don't drop the baby Jesus. But realize that He didn't remain a baby. He became the King of kings. He became the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the creator of all things. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of all the world. That sounds pretty triumphant to me. And so come. All ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we've had together to worship you through song, through the the preaching and the hearing of your word. You said that faith comes from hearing about Jesus. And Jesus, we've heard about you today and that you can change us. You can give us a brand new life. You can give us a fresh start. And because of you, we can live in faith. We can live with joy in our hearts. We can live triumphantly. No matter what the circumstances look like here on this planet, no matter what is happening in our lives, we can live triumphantly because of you. Jesus, thank you that you did come to the earth as a little baby, but you didn't remain a baby. You grew up and you became the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So Father, I just pray that in this Christmas season, we would submit our lives over to you fully. For those of you that maybe have never started a relationship with Jesus, today would be the day that you would do that. You would just, in humble and simple faith, just admit that you're a sinner and you need Jesus in your life. We know that Jesus says, if you'll confess your sins to him, that he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Lord, I know there's many that are already followers of yours, but they haven't been walking in the, the fruit of the Spirit that, that You've given us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so, Lord, help us to realize that's something You've already given us as Your followers. So help us to walk in the reality of that. When Satan tries to distract us or discourage us, when Satan tries to defeat us, to, to bring us down, that would say, not today, Satan. Not today. Because Jesus got my back. Jesus gives me the the confidence to live for him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Again, Father, just help us to walk in that reality. Something you've already given us. Help us to do it now through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.